Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast, sponsored by Beer52. And if you go to beer52.com and enter ECHO in block capitals at the checkout, you can get discounts on all your orders through them. So it's going off at Everton, the transfers, or certainly the rumoured to be close to completion transfers are stacking up. And it's very, in a way, un-Everton at this stage of the summer. It's not even July the 1st, and it looks like two, maybe three, through the door while Steve Walsh is filling his boots in Italy, (laughs) um, speaking to half of Serie A, from what we can gather. But let's start with... David Klassen and Phil Kirkbride, our Everton correspondent. Give us the latest on Klassen's proposed move to Everton. Um, as we understand it, as we sit here um, Thursday afternoon, it's edging closer. Um, there was confidence um, throughout the deal that it'd be tied up by the end of the week. Uh, Klassen, as I understand it, has agreed personal terms. I think Everton and Ajax have, have agreed a fee. Uh, so it's just probably just working on the the, the sort of crossing the I's and dotting the T's, you know, I think it's 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 when and not if with David Klassen. And we obviously we, we've been thinking about what sort of player Everton are going to get beyond the little bits that we all might have seen of him, including the sort of disappointing Europa League final performance when he and his Ajax teammates really flattered to deceive. But generally speaking, we were talking earlier, Phil, weren't we, about when he played in all places Langtree Park for Ajax mm. under-19s against Liverpool under-19s in the yeah. next-gen cup yeah uh, March 2012 in the semi-finals of the next-gen series um, Ajax just just skimmed past Liverpool 6-0 that night mm-hmm. um, and I mean Victor Fisher was the guy who was at Middlesbrough now who's got a hat-trick but um, but David Klassen was pulling the strings two goals and an assist and um, yeah he was uh, he, he impressed a lot of people and um, I think that season he'd made his first team debut in the Champions League, so you can tell at 19 that was how highly they thought of him back then. And uh, he's uh, he's fulfilled his potential at Ajax, but hopefully we'll be able to now fulfil him even more at, uh, at Everton. What struck me from watching, uh, admittedly, the sort of highlight reel of that game in particular, which is hardly the perfect way to judge him as a player, full stop, but even at that age, he seemed to, to knit play together really smartly. It didn't seem to be ridiculously com- complex balls or risky passes but it was all smart quick one touch passing mm. and intelligence movement really well, I suppose that's that's what that's what the Ajax kind of players and the Ajax youth systems famed youth systems probably kind of known for is producing technically proficient footballers isn't it so uh, Klassen is a product of that and, um, and, and schooled in that very traditional Dutch uh, Dutch style yeah so Klassen's one who's been obviously we've been speaking about him for a few weeks but you were you were listening on a, on a BT commentator, weren't you, Adam Summerton, mm. who's watched a lot of him. What what do they have to say? 
he he rates him highly. He spoke about him obviously being Ajax's captain. He's two-footed, versatile, very creative, and more comfortable on the ball than any other player he's, he's seen, which obviously helps everything you've seen. Sometimes when they're away from home, it's like an opportunity sometimes. So you can see why Ronald Koeman, he, he added to it towards the end of last season, is the productivity in the advancing area. So that comes into fruition there. He said he scores lots of goals, scored against PSV last season and against Belgium in that international level. One um, quote that was literally took me by surprise was the great Johan Cruyff, what compared him to Tony Cruz and Xavi. Now that's highly thought of to, to say that things like that. But he, um, he spoke about obviously his position. He says he plays on the right of a three in a four three three. He can play as a false nine and he can also play as a number ten. Now he did go along the road to say is that listen, he, this could be anything. It is a bit of a gamble. Don't get me wrong. It's coming from Ajax. It's in a different league. Obviously a lower standard. Could it? Listen, there's been fours and against, hasn't he? We've seen Azeveld and Vertonghen and Suarez come from Ajax, but we've also seen the likes of Akesman come through. So it's it's difficult to judge, but as we all know, it's a gamble worth taking. Um, Frank de Boer says he's he's a coach on the pitch as well. He's basically a coach's dream, a captain who just basically does everything what a manager asks him to do on the pitch, which obviously will help us no in no end. Very intelligent footballer and two stats that stood out for me was fifty two appearances last season. 52 appearances, very, very rarely gets injured, 40 the season before, and especially we're playing a lot of Europa League games next season, hopefully, and FA Cup games. I'm well more than pleased with that. Gav, are you enthused? Yeah, I like I like the quotes about um, the, the, the Xavi and Tony Cruz one. It would be nice if they said they reminds him of Johan Cruyff, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I am. Uh, I think, to me, I said, I think, when we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, on our, on our part about the players that um, we wanted, which all four are still possibles, it has to be said. Um, that I thought that I'm confident in the fact that Koeman is somebody who knows the Dutch game inside out, obviously, and has got now got about three or four years' experience in the Premier League. Is that having him as manager aids that transition yeah. to me, and obviously being the same nationality. If we'd perhaps had a different manager, and maybe been less comfortable with the uh, with it. I think the key thing is 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 Koeman being able to to coach that transition into yeah. into class, and that that Tony quite rightly says is is it is a risk. I mean, we we know that the Dutch game, aside from three, three teams at the top, but like Portugal, isn't it? Um, it's difficult to make that transition to top level European football, um, and so there's always a risk, as as Scotty was saying. But I'm I'm. I'm delighted in that we're getting things done early on as much as anything else. It also shows that I think I think you know you so you say there about the positions that he plays is they're all like sort of Ross Barkley positions, aren't they? Yeah. And I think the question has to be asked is what does that do that sign and do for for the immediate future of Ross Barkley, which maybe not to discuss now, but I do think it's something that has to be part of the conversation going forward. Well, spoken about he um, when he was interviewed, um, Adam Somerton, he did Ross Barkley did come up and he says he's going to be taking his position. And he did go on to say Ross Barkley does things off the cuff and he'll he's a match winner more or less. He said Classen's more intelligent. He's more of an intelligent footballer yeah. than yeah. Ross Barkley is. So you can see where Ronald Koeman's coming from. He wants lads who want the ball, very intelligent on it, can use the ball. Ross he does it to a certain extent, but has he got that second gear in him? I don't think he has. Ronald Koeman is well within his rights to just go and buy. Two or three midfielders in Ross's position, no ends. You've got a year left on your contract. You're not willing to sign it. No problem. Yeah, well, Phil, does it? I mean, 
does it actually mean anything for, for Barclays' situation? The fact that because Cumin said he was always going to strengthen in that area, regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he said he did. He made that clear, didn't he? That he was going to, as you say, sign players in that position, strengthen that area of the field. Because, you know, if you're talking about Klassen playing as one of the three and stuff, you know, how consistent is Kevin Morales? He's not. Is he? He's inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. You know. Balassi's still out, um, yeah. and they're different type of players, aren't they? So yeah. look, it's it's building strength in depth, yeah. I would say, rather than oh god, we've signed Klassen, we want to sign Sigurdsson, you're out the door. I think it's strength in depth, it's options. Ronald, all throughout the season, said he plans game to game in that respect. He plans for the game. He's not rigid in his formation or his tactics. He plans to win the game of football yeah. and get and get the result. So if Ross Barkley is the right man to go and play against Watford away yeah. then he'll play him if Klassen's the right man to play that game he'll play him you know what I mean so I think it should be should be welcomed rather than looked at as a, a definitive line in the sand in Ross's Everton future Do you think that the Europa League final it touched on where if he was to I played an absolute blind and then won the cup for Ajax man of the match and everything else do you think a team above Everton may have came in for him but because he's underachieved so to speak against Manchester United do, Everton yeah, yeah, yeah. The club, the club, the club's really that short-sighted in terms. Of I think a lot of them do. You've seen them World Cups. How many players get signed on the back of World Cups? I don't, I don't, I don't see any football club worth its salt being swayed on one performance. Not on big games no. such as that. No, I don't think so. I think if if any other club was as serious as Everton have been about trying to sign Davy Classen, they would have been doing the groundwork well before and would have made up their minds. So it's 90 minutes of football and anybody can have a rubbish game, can't they? Even in a magnitude of a final, would yeah. that would that put... If you're the scout and you're looking at class and you're saying, yeah, he's playing well in, in the Dutch league, but when it comes to a game that matters, yeah, does that put you off? But didn't he perform throughout the rest of the Europa League campaign? Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. I'm with you on this yeah, one, yeah. but I just think if where Everton want to be, do you want to be playing in the European finals? Do you want yeah. to be playing in the FA Cup finals? And I don't want to sound negative here because I'm, I'm all for the signing. But if you're looking at him and it's coming to a final and he kind of freezes in the big stage, you want you want players. That's what we'd be like going to Anfield and going to Old Safford. You want players of this ilk to stand up in big games. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, our players don't freeze at those those grounds. As I said before, they're just not good enough to compete at those for me. Um, I, that's my belief. Um, I, I I know what you're saying, but I think like that. I think, as you say, you look at it over the season, don't you? And uh, look at the potential to move forward. Look at his international record and things. Look at the games at St. Helens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's a perfectly good sign. And, and going back, it is important for us to, to be seen to be doing business early for a number of reasons, eh? Because it makes some preparations better. But, baby, you've got, what, six weeks now, is it, to the first game of the season? Mm. And to do an analogy, I don't... The big turning point to think under Moises' career was Everton was that summer of 2006 when he bought Lescott, Howard and Johnson all in the first week in, mm. the first week in June, wasn't he? I think something like that. Mm. And then from then, he really kicked on yeah. after that from 2006, seven onwards. And it was all on the back of that that, that, that sort of like sort of three-week window where he brought them three key players in for, for, uh, for, for Everton. And I think hopefully... You know, you may get a similar type of uh, transition with Coombe. Mm. Now, you just spoke about, obviously, the Ross Barkley situation with a hinder him. Will a hinder the likes of a McCarthy, a Barry, a Bessic type player? Because he can play, according to the report, he can play in a holding role as well quite easy. I don't think he need. I don't think he ever need more holding midfielders, do they? No. 
So would you probably see one of them players we've just mentioned? Well, I, I, I would, I think, if I was a McCarthy or a Bessage, I think I would have been more concerned by the arrival of Schneiderlin in Klassen because, and the emergence of Davis and the arrival of, of Idrissa last yeah, summer. Yeah. That, would, that would be more of a concern than me than Klassen, who's all about goals and creating. Yeah, yeah. so. there, there is a wider point there, though. I know we're saying about we need players and you know we want you know, Rocks to play a Watford away and stuff like that, <laughs> but it's how the play the player concerns, views the the players coming in and the impact on their career. So like what you're saying there, Tell with the writers, is those players that you're talking about as they see players coming into the club, are they just now gonna say, Well actually I haven't mean business here. I really haven't perhaps got an opportunity to to push myself forward yeah. this season. And maybe maybe it might convey people will think, well I'll, I'll stay and see what happens and stay on that basis but now things are moving on I can see there's no future for me or like getting regular first team football mm-hmm. here and I think I think that applies to Ross but also applies to, to McCarthy and Bessie as you say mm-hmm. going forward if, if, if we bring all the players in Jordan it's, it's an interesting one I, I agree McCarthy though is a funny one because if there was any confidence that he could get his fitness uh, under control then I think Kuma would, would still want him round Judging on the way he played against Arsenal and Liverpool last season and what he offered, Besic, I'd have to be concerned if I were him and his advisor. I'd be thinking, you just haven't really shown enough. So it's, it's a massive pre-season for him. And we've seen the odd flicker of a good defensive yeah. midfielder from him, haven't we? Um, Gareth Barry? Gareth Barry, I, st- I still maintain, has got a role to play, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, as an you know, alternative to Schneiderlin uh, at yeah. times. But, of course... The key role that Gav identified when we in a previous podcast, which again has been addressed early, is in between the sticks. Jordan yeah. Pickford, Phil Wright's, you know, is had his medical. It looks like that's another one that might be done sooner rather than later. Gav, how pleased are you that that's virtually through the door? Touchwood. Yeah, I was, what I didn't do before uh, before this podcast is go over the podcast when we went through Jordan Pickford's <laughs> potential <laughs> signing and then think I, I don't want to contradict anything I said then. Mm-hmm. I th- if I recall, it was sort of then that there is a risk of buying a goalkeeper who's A, relatively young and B, relative, well, completely inexperienced in Premier League football terms, having played, was it, 30 games mm-hmm. for, for Sunderland? Uh, added to that, that fact he's joining a different type of club where he's not going to be put under pressure and it's a different mindset, isn't it, being Everton keeper. So uh, there's a risk there. Um, and I think that still exists, to be honest with you. Um, B is is the fact that, you know, the fee we spoke about quite a bit, didn't we? Yeah. Um, setting aside the £8 million pounds up front, you know, sort of fee, fee, you know, feeler, bit, as we call it. Um, the fee of twenty-two million was perhaps a little bit more than what up front, right, which I eighteen think, up front, I think. Eighteen is it? Yeah. yeah, eighteen is probably a little bit more than what I was expecting. But setting aside all of that and those caveats, is the fact that we've got it done early. All the people who, who know a lot more about goalkeeping than me, of which that's probably most of the planet, or <laughs> uh, <laughs> say, you know, he's he's a. Really decent prospect. He's obviously got loads of ability, uh, and and it's a calculated risk by the club that they've obviously looked round and you know and, and we spoke about this before. There's nobody stands out does there, you know when we've gone through mm. the list of keepers and mm. there's arguments for and against mm. and people have been injured or people are too old or yeah. not for sale. And fair play, the club they they've put the money where the mouth is and yeah. says okay, this is the goalkeeper we want. We're going to pay 
you know, the going rate probably a little bit more of a premium. Not, and it's a calculated risk. But fair play, and I, I'm supportive of it. And I think, it, you know, if it works out well, the sky's the limit for both Everton and, and the goalkeeper on the back of it, isn't it? What would you say is the biggest gamble out of Classen and Pickford, according to the fees? But, but as, I think... What's more of a risk? I think the Pickford fee is a gamble, but if you pay, you make a gamble. You know, if you high risk, you expect a high rate of return, don't you? If it works out, works out well. You've got someone proven in this country, but isn't you haven't got Classen, have you? So that's well, why I'm sorry. saying. I think Classen's more of a gamble than Pickford. I, in my yeah. opinion, I think Pickford will come in, be Everton's number one for five years, be England's number one for five years. Yeah. I think they're highly of them. Whereas, and I think. Classen is more of a gamble for me because I, d- I don't know how he's going to adapt to English football. It's, it's a gamble for me, whereas in Pickford, you can just see him coming in, shearing straight away. Yeah, there's a different side. Classen's got a bit more playing experience, hasn't he, than, than uh, Pickford. Yeah. But Pickford's got the, you know, has played in English football and Classen hasn't. And it's, it's diff- more difficult for outfielders to adapt to English football from abroad than keepers, isn't it? I know they had a struggle for it, didn't they? Six months, but I don't know what yourselves think is, is about Pickford. Do you think it's a, a good move? I, I it was interesting the other day. I caught the end of a Radio Merseyside interview where, with the former Liverpool goalkeeper. My mind's on completely blank. Increase? No, no, former Liverpool goalie and Anfield extra, briefly an Anfield extra contributor. No. Colin Tall Kirkland, Chris Kirkland. There yeah. you go. Thank you, Tall. And he was. Really interesting, actually. He was obviously knows Pickford, and he was saying he's extremely confident. He's not an arrogant person, but he hasn't got a glimmer of self-doubt. And he was saying, "I wish I'd have had his confidence when I was his age." He said, "And there's going to be a lot expected of him." And he's making that transition from the England under twenty-one setup, probably in the next twelve to eighteen months, to, or even sh- shorter term, the, the full three lions setup. He says he's so much self-believe, it's unreal. And, you know, he, he, he had the odd difficult moment with Sunderland. He wasn't 9 out of 10 every week, was he? Mm-hmm. Conceded a lot of goals, most of the time loads of mitigating factors. But apparently he'll never lack confidence. And for me, that's crucial. I, that, I was heartened by that. As I've been heartened by the sheer amount, and people, people aren't obliged to say it, of good thing people have had to say about him, yeah. like Neville Southall, whose opinions are yeah. always worth listening to, and so on and so forth. Yeah. General consensus, Phil, isn't it, that Everton have made a, a good, albeit with the risk, as Gav points out, a, a good, solid decision there? Well, I would think um, and would argue that strength of character, particularly for an Evertonian, an Everton goalkeeper, is a big, is a big deal because... When it's not gone right at times, you know we know Goodison can be unforgiving. I think it was back to yeah, some yeah. of his best last season, and you know they responded to the fact that the football was was infinitely better. But you know what it's like for Everton goalkeepers, you know at either end of the ground, if it's not going right. You know Tim Howard really was affected. Now he, you would say, we'd also hear, and everyone who's met him, you've met him, Greg, and know it, knew him fairly well when he was at the club. A confident guy, yeah. really com- didn't lack for self confidence. Nope, yet. It, it, it affected him, so I'm I'm heartened to hear that about Jordan because it won't always be a bed of roses. I think you no. I think you'll have a, I think you get a lot of time and a lot of kind of time to bed in and leave. I think there's a real sense of excitement about this about this lad coming in and you know the fact that Everton have shown the ambition to go buy a goalkeeper as we've spoken about a really number uh, sort of an established number one. 
but strength of character is a big deal at Everton because as I said it won't always be sweetness and light because you make mistake you'll make mistakes a goalie it happens it's it's part of the job isn't it you will make mistakes yeah. when I've seen him obviously Tom Matelli we've seen him in the flesh once or twice three points I'd like to make about him is that he looks a really good shot stopper I know that should be basic from a goalkeeper yeah. really should but his shot stopping is exceptional his distribution we've seen clips of it on social media yeah. unbelievable better than some defenders and I think he's the type of goalkeeper that if you went to Anfield or No Trafford he'd play out of his skin and get you a nil-nil or if you're hanging on one nil he's the type of goalkeeper that will have a blinder keep out everything and you'll hang on for a 1 0 win. He, he comes across like that, he really does. I'm excited about this. Right, it's a big occasion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the other thing to, to play into it is we'll probably be buying a, a new pair of centre halves during the summer as well, won't we? So I think one of the difficulties of it. Well, it's, it's more better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did That's want changing. one of them at one time, <laughs> yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But, you, you know. It's one thing being a keeper and coming into a settled back four where everybody knows what to do and, and you can sort of slot in. It's another thing coming in, isn't it, when actually mm. you, you're looking at the defence in front of you Good and point. they're trying, yeah. to, they're trying <laughs> to gel themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you've got to try and integrate yourselves within within that system. It was like when Howard came, he was quite lucky that, as I say, he, bought, he got Jaggy Elkin and, and Lescott within yeah. both of them 12 months. And that yeah. triangle was was yeah. really well, um, and how it benefited by the fact that Jackie Elkin and Lescott were with a really really strong central defensive partnership, mm-hmm. one of the best I've seen in Everton, and so part they were of the, brilliant, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, until Jack was injured, though, that was that two or three years from '06 to '09. You know, fabulous. Yeah. Um, probably only seeing Ratcliffe and Watson is probably the only yeah, the better one, the better yeah. one I've, I've seen. Um, and I think so. The other key for, for Pickford conceding is just getting the right centre halves in and getting them all gel t- gel together. Um, and so, some of it is beyond his control how he does next season. That, for me, I, that's a really good point. That's why I'm really, really hopeful of Michael Keane coming off because, and they've been linked to uh, defence defenders from Serie A. Possibly I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Steve Walsh is over in Italy. Yeah, if you if you if you go going by your your second central defender this summer from there, again fine. And Steve Walsh will have scouted them exhaustively, and whoever he is, good luck to him. But for me, Keane's a must because obviously he will have he'll know Jordan Pickford from under twenty one yeah. football. Yeah, yeah, you could strike them as two. You know, they could get a rapport going there if they're going to be the future of Everton. Jags will still be there and thereabouts. Ashley Williams with all the experience. If you miss out on Keane and go bring in two. Uh, it looks like Harry Maguire is going to Leicester. You know, it might have been a shout, but that's probably not going to happen. Two defenders from abroad. It sounds like you know, it sounds like probably Robbie Savage and Makersman, but I'd sooner have a homegrown English central yeah. defender with Pickford so, rather than two guys who come from Napoli and AC Milan. Yeah, I understand yeah. where you're coming from. It's a good point. Do you not think though, if you're paying this much for a goalkeeper, he should be able to adapt? To play in front of any centre half. If you look at modern day football now, it's very rare you see two centre half playing 30 games a season. Yeah, no, you're right. You've yeah. got to be adaptable. Manchester United, even Chelsea to a certain extent towards last toward the end and at the start of last season, they were chopping and changing the centre half, changing formations. Sometimes they would clear at the back, sometimes they had two centre halves. They change it quite a lot, and that's modern day football. Yeah, you don't really have I yeah. know you've made a point with Lescott and Jagielka, Baines and Ibit. That was Everton's back four for years. 
I think that's changed now. You've got to be a lot more. Yeah, the system's changed, but the, the, the defenders still stay the same. I mean, I would imagine if you looked at Chelsea's back three last year, that probably both of them played sort of most games in the during the season. Um, yeah, it's just it's just whoever's playing, it's getting the system right, isn't it? The goalkeeper and two centre halves or back three or whatever, it's, it's, it's getting that right. And if you're bringing new players in, then obviously you've got to give a time to bed in, which help. Which you know is is a more difficult task for the, for the keeper, especially a young keeper as well. It's not that experienced, so that that you, know, you said before, Phil, that it will take, take time to bed in, and I, I think I think it will. On, on Maybe that's pieces. where that strength of character comes into. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, yeah. we think what well, we have. How many centre halves did we have last season? About fifteen. Wasn't it? We have yeah, Pennington, yeah. Jagielka, Funes Mori, yeah. Williams. Did Holgate have a goal centre half? Uh, not in a four. He played as a three, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. You think that's what I'm trying to say is that it's yeah, but it, we, we don't want that to be. We I know, but yeah, if we're playing Europa League games and FA Cup yeah, games yeah. and League Cup games, it's never going to be, we're never ever going to have them two solid centre half. Yeah. Well, I'm only interested in the Premier League on that basis. Oh. That actually, and the, and the Europa League, those are the two the two competitions. The other, the other two, I can you know, there's always chopping and change. You may not even play in those games, but it's it's the Premier League and Europa League that are the key you know, ones. You know, people talk about like your brain protects yourself, it looks out for itself, and can. And my brain has convinced me. I sound like Carl Pilkinson here, trying to, <laughs> yeah. as if there's two separate entities. The Funes Mori's left Everton because every time, <laughs> every time someone mentions, every time someone, someone mentions Funes Mori, I go, oh yeah, yeah he, he still plays for us. It's like. Oh, bizarre! And eventually he'll get fit again. We'll go, a few quid for him. He's on the books. Well, go on then. What, what, what of Funes Mori? Because oh, he played once he got back in the team. He played quite a lot last season. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that was the right decision necessarily, but Kuman obviously felt at that point he was he was a more reliable option than Jaggy Elka. I think he, yeah, I think he, he came to regret that decision to an extent. He, he spoke glowingly of his dynamism and, and ability in the air, didn't he? Yeah, ability in the air, but when it comes to making rash decisions, yeah. he right. You've seen teams. him taking two or three players yeah. on his own, and that's why and he's marauding, yeah. marauding yeah. the ball and leaving gaps. Exactly, the and that's why he's in the market for Michael Keane, isn't it? And, yeah, and, uh, and another maybe. Well, we just spoke about obviously the Ross Barkley but, situation and with your class and would come in to, to take yeah. place of which goal he's out the door then. If uh, coming in. Well, we've got a theory about this, haven't we, Phil? If I was, if I was Joel Robles, I wouldn't be overly enamoured by the news that Everton are signing Jordan Pickford because he came to the club in the summer of 2013, didn't he? Yep. Was willing to bide his time. First through the door, along with yeah, Kone, wasn't yeah. he? Obviously, bide his time because Tim Howard was still number one. Got yeah. got an opportunity in 2015-16 when Howard's form dipped. Did all right. Cuban comes in last summer, immediately says you're back to number two. Joel went public. I spoke to him about it, and he and he very forthright opinion said he wasn't happy. He was angry with the manager. Gets his chance, then back out the team. Comes back in at the end of the season because Stecklenberg's injured. Goes away for his holes, then looks at his phone and finds that Evan have signed a new goalie. I would. I'm trying to get into his head. I'd be thinking, I've got, I've got to go. Yeah, do you not send him out on loan? Because oh yeah, I wouldn't accept that. Well, you don't want to play games, doesn't he? Because you got. I'm just looking at it from what's an Everton point? perspective. What's the point? Oh, I'm looking from an Everton perspective, right? If Pickford was dare I say, just would just happen, get injured, you left with Stefanberg then, and a goalie out well, under twenty threes. I think. Well, that's, well that's, a, that's, a, that's a decision, is it? Ronald wants three goalkeepers. He wants three senior goalkeepers, if you like in the squad 
but I don't think Robles from from the time we spent with him and from what he said subsequently, he's going to accept a season on the bench. There's no even there's no guarantee he's actually number two anymore because mm. that's up for debate. Who is yeah. now number two? Stecklenberg is on a three year deal, probably on good money. Probably will just stay and see out his contract. Probably not at his point in his career. Probably not that overly fussed about kind of just being in and out because of where he is and what he's done. He's you know he's ticked World Cup finals off the list, doesn't he? Who would you but, rather have as your number two, Phil? Now, has, has Robles played in the Europa League final for Atletico Madrid against Fulham? Is that 2012, was it? Yeah. Who would you rather have? Do you reckon it's just not in between them? I just don't think there's a great deal. Yeah, Stecklenburg got experience, and you remember the start Stecklenburg made when he came, that first day against Spurs? He kept us in it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I honestly couldn't tell you. I know it's sitting on the fence, and that's not what you want to hear, but I, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I just think it's. If you look at the stats, for the, they've almost played the same number of games, yeah. give or take. They're almost identical, aren't they? I, I, I'd say Stekelenberg just, just. Would you send Rob packing? I'd sell him. I, you know, you might. He's twenty six. I think you want to go. Yeah, I think I think the best thing for everyone. And then you know, I was going to mention this next anyway. Steve Walsh and his uh, trip to Italy. They've even spoken. Neto was one they threw into the mix, wasn't he? Like an older goalkeeper who maybe they're already looking at. You, you know, someone to potentially come in and be that third slash second choice. I don't know. What do you think about this Italian trip then? One name I want to put to you too, and I'm kind of not very enamoured by by it, but I'm happy and hope to be proven wrong if he comes through the door. Is Mbaeniang? From what I saw yeah. last season, and that's only last season, and I didn't see much of him just in televised games at Watford. It, it, and don't forget, we Everton have been linked with him under David Moyes as well, yeah, we quite close to, to getting him apparently at one point. I don't see it. I, I don't see it myself. As I've watched televised games, just just of him, he hasn't stood out. But obviously, we're, we're talking about a fella here that's getting diamonds for us in Steve Walsh, who's picking up. He's Mare, he sees it, doesn't he? Mare, so we're going to trust that. He yeah. Also, listen, how many eyebrows were these? When it's just a guy asked him, "Where are you getting him from?" Next minute, he's one of our players of the season. So I'm willing to trust this fella with it with anything. Do you know what I mean? Look what the, the plays he's got us. Yeah, fair point. Angie's been he's been alone a few few clubs, hasn't he? So it's been, it's been yeah. like sort of three clubs, is it? You know, or is it Montpellier? Was it? It's just having, you know. Yeah, AC Milan's yeah. Player. So yeah, yeah. for three, I mean, bear in mind AC Milan have already been turning up trees in Serie A for over the last three years. Um, I share the the concern. Um, having said that, I also think Toes Light is that Steve Walsh's track record has to give him a bit of. Uh, Bit of gravitas on this, doesn't it? Really, and and I think um, if if he's identified them as a, as one of the players he wants, that, that I'd go with that. Mm. I mean, the other one was was Carlos Bacher as well, wasn't it? Take him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a bit of a fire sale, <laughs> yeah. fire sale going on at Milan because obviously they've got new owners. Yeah. They just bought the lad Silva from Porto. They yeah. bought Rodriguez, the fullback. They seem to be buying all you know yeah. anybody under the sun. They seem to be making a bit of a statement. So I guess you know. Just because he's he's suddenly not deemed, or players may not be suddenly deemed good enough for the for the new AC Milan, doesn't necessarily mean that they are not going to be good enough for Everton. Because there's probably some good players in that squad that will be surplus to requirements, won't they? Well, Bach has been a you know good, good goal scorer for, for a number of years, hasn't he? He's always scored um, goals, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I, I agree. He's um, thirty-one in September, though, Gav Bach. Yeah, but for a couple of years. Yeah. I tell you, that age doesn't put me off with any player. Bit of a fox in the box, isn't he? Um, 
and um, I, I, so I think I think that that'd be a useful thing. And and the latest one on what's the latest news on Sandro or Ramirez, whatever we while we're on the subject of forwards. Still, still in sight on the hotel. You tell me. You think he's, you think he's gone back to for the Euros, isn't he? Yeah. Spain play on Saturday night. Under twenty ones, don't they? They've got a game, so. Do you not think he'd be reluctant to leave Spain at a young age and possibly have seen Telefeu and thinking he's been back and forth to Spain and maybe he'll probably well he will know Telefeu wonder yeah, what Jerry yeah. Penny for what Je- what Jerry might have told it depends him what, it depends what, what what Everton have sold him in terms of the pitch and what they say where he'll play will he play will he be will he be first choice I, I don't know I mean look he's 20, 21 isn't he um, I like his records in Spain looks good quick you know I always I think we said it on here before. You know, if you're comparing, try to sort of compare the sort of the framework of Cooman's team at Southampton. He's the Shane Long for me, quick in behind, but played, but didn't always start, but but had a major impact yeah, on that yeah. team. And quite quite tough as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of, sort of that. He would fit that mold if you like. You know, Ronald went and paid about twelve million quid for Shane Long from yeah. Hull, I think. Yeah, should um, we just buy Shane Long? Then? Well, yeah. <laughs> five years ago we yeah. said yes. You know, you know uh, the one you mentioned there that was Gus as he went as uh, Rodriguez. Mm, the the fullback, the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was great, then, wasn't he? I think he was a free kick at Goodison. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was like Real Madrid, wasn't he, a couple of years ago? After he, and he's gone to AC Milan. Yeah, and I think that Kessie from Atalanta. Whoever we were linked with last yeah. summer, he's gone. JC Milan. I, I oh right, he's a big midfielder. Mm. Yeah. No, only talk about players he wanted to bring. He wanted them at Goodison for a couple of years. Rodriguez. Yeah. Do you think, want to get in ahead of Baines though, would he? Well, <laughs> but, but we need competition, don't we? Yeah. The other carrying on the Milan thing. Zayda mm. Feu, um, obviously. Arriva Derchi, Jerry. Yeah, we can yeah. do a whole podcast on the intricacies of his contract. Yeah. Um, about when he goes where and oh, stays at Barcelona yeah. for 12 months and he gets what Barcelona like, like this kind know. of figure pulling strings even though he hasn't played for yeah. them and kicked the ball for two years whatever it was they like, still have a vested interest I don't, see, I don't see him having a future yeah. I think yeah. the signal was you're out on loan you know publicly criticised by the manager privately criticised encouraged can't deliver consistency unfortunately you've been sent on loan I think that was you know, the alarm bells go Another Morales for me. It's weird. Bags though. of ability, low yeah. yeah. pace. Oh. Well, it looks as if you, you are made for the Premier yeah. League. You are oh. it, and then next minute you just flatters the DC. That spell in Roberto's final season, we came back permanently. Yeah. I think it was early on, you know, we you know, sort of running into December, October, November, December. Him and Rom just seemed to have a ball and string yeah. together, yeah. didn't they? And you're like, yeah. But then it's just not been able to deliver it consistently. Well, and yet you look at it, and so. Based on his first season in the Premier League, and, gr- and granted, there's been a bit of water on the bridge since then. And then, based on the Ang's first season in the Premier League, if you like, it's not a very straightforward comparison. You'd, you'd probably say Jerry had the more more yeah, of an impact. Probably was, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, Walsh rightly has still got well tucked up his sleeve. I brought in Ramirez, Vardy, and, and yeah. uh, Kante. But he, did, he also brought in Ahmed Musa, a couple of his latter signings at Leicester. Musa ripped us to shred last season. Yeah, yeah <laughs> one of, he, he did to be and fair. He just flogged him as well. One of the few yeah. things he did before yeah, yeah, he's been yeah, pa- packed off. Yeah. I maybe I'm just worried about Niang, I don't know. Unnecessarily so, perhaps, because. But there's, I, think, I think we'd all agree that regardless of, of Lukaku's future, regardless of him staying, Everton need to find. Two centre forwards. That's two centre forwards in that squad. But Coney's gone, hasn't he? Yeah. So yeah. So it has to be Rom, hopefully, and another or two new centre forwards. It's going to be Rom and two more for me. I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Because Rom, Rom, and one and one who can play maybe 
no. as striker and yeah. We need we're looking to play fifty games next season. Could you know? We're very fortunate that Rom's injury records. Would you? It's quite good, isn't would, it? So, would you take a squad though that had two out and out centre forwards, and then you had some like Sandro coming in, who, was, who Gav says could play kind of anywhere across, and then some like Sigurdsson, who's adaptable, can play. Yeah. In if that. you've got San- well, Sandro, plays a false nine by by all accounts. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, possibly, but we definitely need another centre forward. Not too much about it. We've got one centre forward, of course, who made an impact last season, who made a very big impact on Sunday. Just gone. Dominic Calvert-Lewin was one of five Everton players in that brilliant England under-20s team and squad that went and finally got some silverware for, for England first time since 66. Brilliant good news story for, for the club. So I saw that you tweeted that picture of them. John Joe Kenny, for me, was the, the leading light, personally, maybe Luckman, but they were there on the pitch, big pile on, got the Everton flag out. Great to see for Blues, I'm sure. And Gav, it's really heartening and yet it, it, it brings a question itself yeah yeah um, it's relevant to really what we've just spoken about uh, for the past half hour or so in our last two or three podcasts is um, in, as would as you would expect after lifting the trophy you know the question then came about well you know what's the point of lifting the trophy if those players don't develop and I think there was a stat wasn't it that of the players who appeared in the final, I think collectively it was 1,100 minutes in the Premier League last season, which is about equivalent to what, 12 full appearances, something something like that. And the, the, one of the questions was, you know, do clubs have a responsibility in England to develop young English talent? Um, so, you know, so those play, you know, those players are now further developing the Premier League and then going to the national team and hopefully be successful. Is do English clubs have a, have a you know, a moral obligation to do that? And I would just be interested to see what people is, think of that. No. Is it, isn't, isn't the answer to that question in, in the answer of, of who's king in, in English football now, the Premier League or the national side? And unfortunately, I think the Premier League's king. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask a question. Everton's to win the FA Cup next season. I'm not one Englishman was in the team. Was it bother you? Not, not really. Not Does overly. You? No, it would be. No. You feel no. It would be a footnote in an otherwise brilliant achievement, wouldn't it? You go. It's a shame there are no local lads or, or no English. But people. no one would be bothered when they're. Ultimately, it's an Everton FA Cup win, isn't exactly. it? But the thing which crystallises what Gav's saying for me is there's Kenny tearing up trees, showing he can do what a modern fullback needs to do, and yet. Like Leo Diaz, they're going to go and sign Cuco Martino or someone like that to come in and just do a job until Coleman's fit. And I'm like, well, and listen, Cooman, I've got to trust Cooman's judgment on this, but it just shows why not just let Kenny have a coach? I'll tell you what, when's Coleman back? Maybe January. So, well, maybe we January. We'll be looking to go in with it at the first game of the season for the next three or four months. Well, I suppose you've got, you would have, under my logic, there, Kenny and Holgate. So obviously he's thinking, if I go in with Kenny, just see for see, he's going to need full-back cover. So he, he, he can't wait until January, until Coleman comes back. He needs to get at least two right-backs in. He's got to. He can't start the, he can't start the season with all day to right-back again. No, I, I agree. I, don't, so I wouldn't he, like to see him so playing right-back right again. I wouldn't be surprised us. if John Joe starts the first game of the season and Martin is on the bench or vice versa that's where he should be Holgate at right back's finished for me ok so, yeah yeah. set aside individuals then the, the, the logical follow up question to that that first one is mm. what's the point of, of academies then we could have got to be good enough first Gav 
You've got to be good enough to break into the first team. And managers well, are under pressure. Yeah, this isn't a twofold now for a modern academy like Everton. It's the hope that you will be able to produce your own players. So you hope the hope remains that Dow, Kenny, etc., will develop and grow into first team football. They're still young lads. The second thing is now, and it might sound a little bit cynical, but in, in the modern era, develop players and sell them. It's yeah, a, on, a lo, on a lower grade to Chelsea and Manchester City, what they're doing now. You know, Everton looking to scour the football league for the best young talent and bring them in and try and get them into the first team. But the majority of those, if we're sat here in five years' time, won't be in the Everton first team squad. But Everton will have made a profit on them because they'd be good enough to go and play for your Bournemouth or yeah. High Championship mm. or whatever. So for me, that is the purpose of, of an academy. First and foremost, the attempt to try and bring players into your first team. But secondly, you know, as a, as a business model. And Tom Davis is still the shining light that it still does happen at Everton. So. Josh Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're only a couple, aren't they? Out of how many players go through yeah, the academy? Yeah. And there's there's inherent flaws in the academy system in the days under 18s and the next one's under 23. And that the whole thing needs looking really, We all know. It's just something that, that there's a certain contradictory thing going on which we've spoken about before. Is we all want academy players, as you say, to come through and play in the first team. People get a great deal of pride and satisfaction out of that. But at the same time, we want instant success and we want to spend twenty five million on player X from Milan and player yes. B from Ajax. Yeah. And those two things conflict one another, don't they? And um, not unless the player's good enough. Unless the like player's good enough, but they could be argued that if the player's good enough, you don't need an academy. System to do that, do you really? It's like because I don't. That's, that's just one of the problems I have with academies. Is, is if you're not good enough at eighteen, then but you're not yeah. going to be good enough for twenty one. Well, sometimes like, players but, come into their own when uh, they're getting older. Well, now, I was going to say, well, how how early can you genuinely know that a player is going to be good enough? You say, what's the point in an academy? Then you need to know because some, as Tony says, couldn't just go from not to sixty. Between seventeen and eighteen, yeah. yeah, he's gonna do it. Mm. I don't, you know, yeah. how do you, how early it's, can you tell? The, the character in the player as well. He's on the going Well, Leighton Baines and Phil Jagelk were both released by Evans yeah. Academy, yeah. but that was at like say sixteen. It's like if you have a look at the, I, I'm, True. there's not yeah. a criticism of Everton there. It's just academy football in general. And throwing it back to that question about like what priorities are. If you have a look at the players who you, had come through the academy at Evan and had like a long term career, is like. Ross was 17, 18, yeah. wasn't he, the first team. Wayne was 16. Yeah. Tom's obviously come into the yeah. team at 18. Osman. Jack Rodwell, I mean, well, Ozzy was injured, wasn't he? I'm sure yeah. Ozzy would have played quite, yeah. quite yeah. early on, you know. I've all tended to get into the team early. They've not hung around the academy for around 18, 19, 20 level, and all of a sudden, oh, they're, they're yeah. good enough to come into mm. the team. And, and that's the problem, because... That's the danger of having that under 18, so under 23 difference, isn't it? You get like Conor McElhenney, don't you do? Sort of just hang around the club yeah. for yeah. ages because the next level up's under 23. Mm. And that I think that's one of the things that works against it. But the point is, is that you either get in at 18 or you're probably not going to get in, in right. at all. And and then I think I think that that's a worry, that for me. Um, don't you think, sorry Gav, don't you think a lot of players that get released at say 17 or 18 as you just said to other clubs and then they put the clauses in the contracts don't they to say listen we can buy you back we'll go to a championship club yeah, yeah. and then but we'll, we'll see what you like because the last thing these football clubs want is say for Manchester United to have a player with them, with them for 18 years and say listen you're not good enough but we still we don't want to be paying Michael Keane we don't yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. we don't yeah. want to be paying 20 or 31 million for you yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. in years to come do you know what I mean I think there's a lot of clubs that 
they don't know what to do on, on when it comes to the. We were probably a bit like that with Chris Long when he went to Burnley. Yeah, yeah. There's a few players like that. You're thinking, shall we release him or not? But what? Sorry, Gav. Just on a different issue on the under 23s. One player that obviously he scored the winning goal. Now he plays in a as a centre forward. Didn't he dominate Calvin Lewin? Well, Calvin Lewin, yeah. yeah. And he, had, he weren't really playing like as a centre forward for Everton, was was we? I was at an event on Tuesday. I think it was at Goodison Park, and Ian Snowden pointed out that now you you. That's the best position for Dominic Calvin-Lewin. No good on the wing where Ronald Koeman plays him. Up front is where he belongs. Can you seriously see him being Everton central forward next season? Is there a future for him there? I can't see him playing regularly as a striker for Everton next season. If there's a long-term future, I don't know. Uh, I, I, like, I definitely wouldn't really want to see him get more... I suppose he'd say any chance he gets is, is, is a good chance, but it's not fair to play him on the wing for... Yeah, it was horses for course last season. Yeah, for me. Did he surprise you, Phil, as playing as a centre forward compared no, to what we've No, because I've seen him play for the 23s as a yeah. centre forward, so I know that's, mm. what he's, that's what he's about. I would say that Dominic shouldn't get overly concerned by being put out wide for now because I know it's a different player, etc., but I always remember Thierry Henry, was it, was it a Juve in Monaco, yeah. Yeah. moaning about playing <laughs> wide left. He did for Arsenal. He did, yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. when he was right, you know, Wenger managed him correctly and when the time was right, he became the centre-forward. Mm. And, he, and he always says it made him a better player. So it will make Dominic a better player. But we won't see the best of Dominic Calvert-Lewin when he's out wide. But at this stage in his career, I think he should just lap up every second of yeah, exactly. football he can get. And, and he'll become... And you know what? And he'll develop into... It's difficult to say at the minute whether, whether he'll develop into Everton's number nine for the future, but he's a bloody good option at the minute, I think, in terms of backup. Yeah. And we're playing a lot of games next yeah. season, hopefully. And you know you can count on him, willing, decent in the air, you know, has, has coped mentally at, at top flight level so mm. far. So he's, he's 19, he's near 20. He's still a young lad. So I think he's going in the right direction. And I don't think it's, it's a case of making a judgment on him now. It's a weird one when I look at him on a football pitch. He just. I don't know, there's something about him that doesn't look like a footballer to me. I'm looking going, what's he got? What, yeah. What's he good at? Now, he's, that's a fit. Does he hold the ball at well? As he, I'm looking at him and thinking, what's he bringing to the table here? But has he got that crucial knack of rising above the sum of his parts? You know what I mean? I, I yeah. agree, he doesn't do anything exceptionally. But he seems to score yeah. goals. Yeah. He took his goal, it was right foot shot and then put yeah. him with yeah, his, his left. left. yeah. Well, one of Everton's sort of most effective Premier League footballers like that, wasn't he? Tim Cahill. Yeah, yeah, Tim Cahill did well. Yeah, not yeah. a lot to him, was there? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the other thing as well, sort of, I'm not going to completely have a counter-argument to me, me before this, those players could come back to, and they said Belfield there. <laughs> Belfield? I'll show me eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's loads of hours just there. Imbued with confidence, you know, haven't well, I think if well, you plays in a World Cup well there's one yeah. yeah I think Adamola Luckman hugely yeah and you come back you know your self-belief could you know go through the roof as a result of that the, the opposite side of it is it could be a bit of a come down to one or two players where you know you've you've, you've won a World Cup winners medal albeit at an age group level coming back and then your next game is playing mm, for the under 23s Wigan or something and, and how you react to that so there's a big test for those players coming back next season Whichever way you look at it, surely think, they'll. Sorry, yeah. surely they'll know as well, though, that I'm not for a second taking anything away from what they achieved on Sunday. It was, it was fantastic, but they'll know that it doesn't equate to Premier League. It's not like Premier League football. They were playing against their peer group. As he was Venezuelan, he wasn't. He? Don't yeah. forget half of these kids that played. They've had some handy players, by the way. Yeah, he did. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> you're looking at England's team. 
half of the, quite a lot of them have played Premier League football. They're playing against really top quality opposition. Whereas in Venezuela, their lads aren't hardy. So they can play abroad, don't they? You know, yeah. but now it's just an interesting thing about yeah. how those players react then next season to to, mm. to win. And, and I think hopefully, you know, I, I really like Fulham. I think he's a top player. Um, yeah. It's cliche that, isn't it? You know, but uh, and, and hopefully that he'll be the one who will really kick on because of of those that were there. You can see him being, you know, I think he's a, yeah. he's a really I, I, top I, talent. I agree. Luchman, Calvin Lewin, and Kenny around the first team squad. I think Dal probably on loan for me. I think he needs to go on loan. Well, somewhere. Phil's been saying for a while that they they've just not known what to do with Dal because it's been getting the right loan club for him, and it, seemingly that hasn't materialised, but. I think this season coming, they have to be less fussy about where he goes, think, or, or just Kieran, get him get him playing games. I think. I think Kieran would say that. I don't think Kieran just would has be, to play games. Yeah, I think you need to. I think he'd favour that just being dropped in now. Just go and just go and play football. Either I don't know whether they'll, they'll aim for lower Premier League, like a newly promoted team, or they'll say higher Championship. Is he good enough for a lower? My fear would be if he became a Holt, yeah. if he became a Galloway and. He just that's went somewhere. That's, well, that's he... why you've got it. You wouldn't send anyone near Tony Pulis. Yeah. Oh no! You know no, what I mean. Yeah. So you'd have to. You would have to be. The decision would perhaps be less on the style of football. Yeah. Because that's what the problem was. That they're attending to a team that just with five minutes left, one nil down, are going to hoof yeah. it long and bypass it. Yeah. Has to become a Leicester decision about that now, and more of a decision is: is he going to play? Well, Imagine Eddie Howe if Eddie Howe went. You know, I'll take him for until January. Maybe. Was he getting Brighton or Newcastle's team? I don't know. I mean, Chris Hughton always strikes the sort of manager that would play young yeah. players. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I think top ends a championship more than. You just need to go and play. Just need to go and play. Yeah. You know, men's but, footy. Imagine the deflation of under twenty threes again for you, and think I've won the league last year. Another season in the under twenty threes. He as I agree with. They probably all feel ready to move on from yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Because they've won yeah. the league, so they've got nothing else to play yeah, with that level. Yeah. So what are we going to yeah. gain by winning the league again? Well, we've already done that, yeah. so we don't need to go no more. Not hard to find motivation with bloody other professional footballers. Well yeah, but paid, but in that level, in, in, in your relative professional career, I could imagine why you'd be we, like, "Are yeah. we really? Are yeah. We doing this again?" Exactly. Yeah. Just just out of interest, you mentioned Tony Pulis. Would you sniff around Johnny Evans? Well, some clubs are, I wouldn't. No. But some clubs are, aren't they? No. Ten million. Would million, you? Million. Would you go? How old is he? Have a look at. I don't know. I'm saying if we needed three centre halves. Well, he's no better than he's no better than Funes Mori or Ashley Williams. No, no, or, no. I think that's, that's a Funes Mori. Yeah, to talk about reactions, I think <laughs> what I'd be hoping off Williams next year. I think like a number of Wales players, they all had bad seasons last year, didn't mm. they? You know, Ramsey didn't do much. Yeah. Gareth Bale was all in and out. <laughs> yeah. Williams. Yeah. Win, and uh, hopefully that, yeah. you know, the reaction, you know, from a really big tournament, and hopefully that, that'll... He'll have had a rest, rest, a big rest. rest, rest and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. that hopefully yeah, we'll see a big big improvement with Williams next well, season. Wouldn't that be timely, given that we're thinking, you know, if we don't get another, say we get Keane and maybe not another... Williams suddenly clicking back yeah, into the player yeah. we thought we'd signed. Yeah. Was he didn't do too bad last year. No, he wasn't awful, he, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the player we I, hoped he yeah, 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 I was yeah. going to say, I think expectations exceeded what he delivered, whether that was right for the expectations to be that high, but they were based on the fact that he'd been Swansea's leader and had a brilliant Euros. Yeah. yeah. I think because he stuck out like a sword on for Swansea, didn't he? And you're probably thinking, he's their best player, so why he, he should fit comfortably in Everton's yeah, team. But I agree. Yeah. He was okay. He was okay. But uh, we do need that. At least I think he, I think he was on the whole a, pot, a real positive influence on that defence because I think I think his influence in tightening them up can't be overstated. Yeah, he had some 
interesting game, should we say? But on the whole, I think if you looked at if you look at the number of clean sheets Everton kept in the individual games, I think Williams played in about ninety percent of them or something. And he's an arc as well in front of the left and I'm all for that. Yeah, what's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a terrible problem. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not yeah. I think that that's twelve million. This summer's twelve million, probably about twenty. So yeah. I know he's kicking into his early thirties, but maybe we even got him for a half decent price. I don't yeah. know. Just just on the on the subjects of places and I meant to I know we're going back now to the Pickford thing is we we said for last this year in the podcast and last summer about making statements and tents mm. in, in the transfer market. Um, you get your market yeah, yeah, big market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's not exactly what we think, but in terms of the price we paid and the play that we've got with Pickford and the fact that, you, you, would you That's say that that we're making? I'm no. not saying it's a marquee sign. I, I think I think it's a show of ambition and yeah. a statement of intent that we're prepared yes, to, yeah, to, yeah. to to pay like the third biggest fee ever paid for a keeper. Though yeah. I think that won't stay long. Do you think that is in, in a statement in itself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's, getting there. yeah. And I think the speed at which they've done the deal, deal is yeah. the biggest statement for me. Yeah. And I think that that's that's one of the reasons I was encouraged by the the Pickford sign. Other players we've been linked with, it would be the Marquee then. Currently linked with, yeah. God, is it I think, would Sigurdsson be? Yeah, marquee? I think I think speaking to some people who are far more in the know um, down in South Wales today, um, I think Swansea are going to be holding out for close to forty million, from what I've been told. But I think Everton are going to pay it. Do you think? Yeah, I think, I, I think how old is he? Twenty-seven. I think, age guy I think, I think, I, think <laughs> I think Ronald Koeman sees him as, the, as what be almost like the final piece in the jigsaw. I think he'll go slots right into any position I want him. He's proven, knows the Premier League, does it every season, yeah, did it in a yeah, rubbish team, yeah. and it'd be like he's the best we can get. We said on it last week, yeah. I think he's the best we can get probably. Yeah. He's just saying that because he tipped him for uh, the four no, players. Like that's, 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 what I, that's what I believe. And do you think that'll be... I think they'll go 40 million, break the transfer record, and people will go, yeah, it's a good sign, isn't it? And I think instantly you'll, go, you'll see it and you'll make a difference. Yeah, and I think million. he's the sort of player that's going to edge Everton up. Would you pay 40 million for him? If that's the goal rate right for him, then yeah. But I, I, I do Blanchard it naturally, and like you, I'm thinking, oh, 40 million... But they, it's it's there within laugh, their yeah. rights to demand it, and it's whether we're going to pay it back, Cumin. And I think he's important. He's really important. That's we. How many times last season did we say we just haven't got that player to unlock a defence between the lines? We haven't got that number ten. If Cumin decides it's him, then just go and pay it. If we're if we're asking for hundred million for Ron, then well, exactly. Within the rights exactly. Of and by the way, don't forget that that's probably factoring in their thinking as well, isn't yeah, it? Course. They could be coming in for mm. eighty. 85 whatever it is million in the summer yeah. so we're not getting mugged off yeah. imagine if they went okay 25 and then a month later Everton sold Lukaku for 90 million yeah. how, how fed up would their fans be running back with the receipt what I said last couple of pods we're in, we're in that period where we can't afford not to buy players can we you know and that, that's that's the thing isn't it and if it, if it takes you 40 million to I think, buy I think, him, I, think I, think what's, I think one of the big factors and there's several factors driving the speed which Everton uh, appearing to do business at the minute and, and, the, and the intent that you spoke about is, is the manager I really think his ambition is is driving this there's, there's a lot of factors there's, the, there's money there's you know understanding the lessons learned from last summer I think the role of having a director of football is starting to pay off but I think Ronald Koeman's ambition and his kind of forthrightness and his kind of, you're getting this done. I, you get it done and I'll deliver. And I think that's what's really kind of behind it all. And I think I think they'll, they'll pay the asking price for certain players because 
the managerial demand it. Can I go away from Steve Walsh's briefcase? The fixtures come out this week. Nice, easy start. Well, incredible, really. Let's just focus on Stoke. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible, wasn't it? It We literally could not have got much more of a harder opening round of fixtures. It's... The Stoke hard- must win already. <laughs> it's the it will be the hardest run of Premier League fixtures for any club next season. We've determined that. It's certainly our hardest run of open fixtures in our Premier League history. And yeah, part of me thinks, well, excuse the cliche, but you've got to play them twice anyway. It's a ba- yeah. It might be you know show us what you're made of for the new season. Yeah. Having said that, it's not. It's it's so far from ideal. It's Is it not the best time to catch them? Another cliche. You've seen Liverpool last season. Maybe played Arsenal the first game, then played Chelsea the third game in. And Colton Coles, maybe. And all I'll say is that it's even more important that we seem to be getting our players in early because we're going to need a full pre season with these players and these European qualifying games and they can gel. Because if we, if we did all our business on the last day and we're trying to put out an 11 that hardly knows each other and you're playing City, United, Chelsea, then I would fear for having zero points by middle of September. We'll ever- Sorry, middle of um, October, but it won't. Hopefully it won't be in a, that case. Well, Everton, obviously they'll have a better chance more than most by signing better players, but they'll be fitter than a lot of these teams, won't they? They'll play the two time. Europa League qualifiers, yeah, won't they? Assuming yeah. they come through, and I think by the time they've played, they get to the Spurs or the Chelsea game, one of the two, forgive me if it's the wrong, wrong way around, they'll have played four Europa League qualifiers plus two league games, Yeah, in, potentially. Where is the, the Tottenham, the Chelsea... Manchester United they'll just have had league matches they'll have played the Chelsea Shield match I'll tell you what I predict now we'll be saying this country needs a winter break when it gets (laughs) to Christmas and they're all goosed because they played about 40 games before but on the flip side of it if you look at the the bottom end of Everton season you're looking at like you've got Brighton, Newcastle West Ham and I'd rather have it that way than get the team I I think for me goes back to what I was saying before is I looked down and thought, we touched on unlucky there for the simple reason that we have got a load of players to bed in mm. and are they the fixes that you want a load of players to bed in and by we're trying to build, build, yes. you know, build... No, well, no, it's the simple answer. No, the other teams will have other players to bed in as well. Yeah, but the big wholesale so changes well. that we're making is greater than probably the other clubs. Um, but having said that, you've got to play them sometimes, cliche after cliche. Uh, and... You know, we could be, you know, it'd be great if we top the table after five games, wouldn't it? With that, uh, <laughs> with that like, you know. Well, if you look at, sorry, just then briefly, the, them, them five games for them, the Champions League games, we only lost one of them games last season. Mm. It was Chelsea away. Did you, we lose the game then? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> Tottenham at home. Tottenham at home. City away. Yeah. Manchester United away. Yeah. And Stoke at home. So, so three, three, ch- three one alls or one nil and a five nil defeat. Take, take that again. Take that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Not 5-0 though. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's for optimism. There you go. That's Martinez level. A nice, apt, upbeat note to conclude this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about some two or three signings that are already through the door and some more on the horizon. Thanks very much.